Praise God and welcome to another Genesis 1 Christian Ministries podcast. Before we get into the word of God today, let's spend some time praising God as we listen to a song called Holy Ground by Jaron Davis. Lord God, we just love you and we praise your most magnificent name, Lord God, and we lift your name on high, Lord. If only you are worthy to be glorified and lifted up. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would prepare our hearts and minds to hear your words today, Lord, and that they would get deeply, deeply planted within our spirits, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that whoever needs to hear these words, Lord, that you will bring the words forward to them because we know that your word is not constrained by any space or any time, Lord God. And I just want to praise you and thank you, Lord God, for all the wonderful blessings that you have given us, Lord, and for continuing to keep us all safe in this in this crazy time that, that we're in. I pray for our firefighters and our first responders, Lord, that are still dealing 
with the wildfires in the western states and ask, Lord, that you would place a hedge of protection around them, that you would guide them and lead them in giving them the strategies to be able to combat the wildfires, Lord, and that there would be some wisdom in the future for our, those that are in leadership positions on how to prevent these wildfires from, from happening, Lord. I pray for anyone that may have lost their homes or their property because of these fires, Lord, and I ask that you would help them to be able to get back on their feet speedily and that you would bring them peace through this through this time, Lord, and that you would just guide them and speak to their speak to their hearts, Lord, so that they can come to know you, Lord, if they don't yet know you, Lord. I thank you for this opportunity to share your word today, Lord, and I just pray that you would take this message where you will for your glory and for your honor and for your magnification, Lord. These things I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, praise God. It's a, another beautiful day today. And um, let's jump right into scripture here. And if you don't have your Bible, take a moment, pause this podcast and Go grab your Bible because everything that we do in, the, in this ministry, every every word that is preached is always straight from the word of God. So take some time and grab your Bible, hit pause and then come on back. And we're going to turn right now to Psalm 37. Psalms 37. And we're going to go to verse five. Psalms 37, verse five. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass on the line. The word commit, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. If you live on the western part of the United States or even if you maybe if you've got family or friends over here or if you've been looking at the news, you know that uh, it's wildfire season and there's some wildfires that our first responders are dealing with. Um, and unfortunately, there's been a lot of uh, destruction that has taken place because of the wildfires. Some of the reports that I've heard on the news is that uh, there's been uh, records, a record number of acres that have been burned um, because of these because of these wildfires, something that has never been before, has never been seen before. Uh, for <clears throat> for the residents here that, that live in Oregon, I've heard many of them say that they've seen you know, that they've been here all their lives and they've seen wildfires and they've never seen anything as bad as this before. Um, you know, we've certainly had some where, where we live here in, in the Willamette Valley. We've certainly had some smoke from the wildfires that have blown blown in in the past. And you can you can smell them burning. But for several days, for several days last week, we were we had gone. Uh, we, we had gone several days without any real sunshine. And what I mean by that is I'm not talking about the typical cloudy day that you would get in the Pacific Northwest. All right. But what I'm talking about is that it was so dark because of the layer of smoke that at 12 o'clock in the afternoon at 12 noon in my house with all of the blinds open and the window shut because of the because of the smoke outside that with all of the blinds opened that I still had to turn on the lights just to be able to see, which has never, ever happened before. I could stand in my living room and I can look down clear to my bedroom and could not see any single object in my bedroom with the lights off. That's how dark it was. The sky had this really dark orange glow to it. You can see ash floating around the air. You can smell it when you when you went outside. And there were so many people that I had either spoken to or I heard them talking about the situation. And they said, you know, it really has that end of the world vibe. And as, and as I heard more and more people starting to say this, you can even hear in their voice, I can make out in their voice, that there was a little sense of panic. There was a little sense of fear because of, uh, because of what was going on. Some fear that maybe this really is the end of the world. Now, as children of God, we know what the quote-unquote end of the world, if you will, is going to look like because it's all, it's, it's, it's all in the Bible. OK, we know that Jesus said that you will hear of wars and rumors of wars of wars, uh, but the end is not yet near. We know that there's three years of peace uh, in the Middle East that will take place um, before it's broken. We know that there's also going to be a tribulation period after the rapture. And I'm not going to get all into that because um, um, that's not the purpose of this sermon. But as children of God, we know that this is not the end of the world, if you will. OK, 
And we know that just because the sky lit up that color of orange, that it's not the end of the world. And I started thinking about this because I even heard some uh, uh, um, some some folks that said that they were believers also have a little bit of panic in their voice around around the color of the sky and thinking that the end of the world is coming. And as I started praying about this and just saying, all right, Lord, what, what, what's going on? Here's something else that 2020 has brought to us. OK, granted, it's not something that everyone in the world uh, uh, had to experience or anything like that. And it was localized uh, over here on, on the West Coast. But nevertheless, it was something that has not happened before. OK, in terms of all of this, 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 this darkness that we had. And as I started praying about this and thinking about it, I said, why, why are folks why are folks panicking? Why are there believers that are, that are panicking? And as I started praying and, and, and thinking about and really meditating on it, what started to come to me is that we don't have enough commitment. We don't have enough commitment because if we are committed, then we know when we see these things happening that it's not the end. And while the end may be near just from looking at what was happening in the world and, and correlating it to scripture. And while the end may be near, and I'm not going to stand here and, and say that I know when the end is coming because I don't. So don't take that out of context. I don't know when the end is coming. Um, but 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 when you look at scripture, you look at what's happening around the world. And I think a lot of believers that are in tune with the Holy Spirit and reading the Bible, we all kind of have this sense of something is coming. We don't know what and we don't know when. But if we're committed enough in God then we're not going to worry. We're going to trust him. Like it says in Psalms 37, five there. So the title of today's message is how committed am I? How committed am I? Okay. When I was listening to people talking about how it's got that, you know, you know, end, end of the world vibe and everything like that. Um, and just wondering like, well, if we're really committed, we wouldn't have this fear and we wouldn't be worried about it. And we would know that this isn't the end of the world. I started just, just started just thinking that, you know, when, when we become committed to God, that's when we start to grow deeper with him. Okay. We, we start to move past the, 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 the honeymoon stage, if you will, that we felt when we first became saved. And then we start to really listen in and start to hone in on some really, really, really fine details of what God is trying to show us. When God starts to share a little bit more about his plan with us, that happens through our commitment to him. That happens from our commitment to, to talk to him and to listen to him and to study his word. But it takes commitment to know that it takes commitment to know what's in the what's in the word of God. And it takes commitment to correlate the word of God to the to, to what's happening in our lives around us. Whether it's in our immediate household or whether it's, it's something that's happening in another part of the, the country or even happening in another country. It takes commitment to be able to get to that, to be able to understand that. Commitment is much different than interest. Okay? There's a lot of people that are interested in the things of God. But how committed are they to the things of God? Interest is I will do things. I will do the things of God when they're convenient for me. I will follow God as long as he doesn't push me out of my comfort zone. If he allows me to continue to live my life the way I'm living it, then I'm showing an interest in God. Commitment to God is regardless of what I have going on in my life, regardless of what my plans are, regardless of what my goals are. I am going to I can put that aside and I will put that aside if God calls me to do something outside of that. That's commitment. Commitment is being able to praise God when you're not feeling well, being able to open your Bible and read some scripture when you're really, 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 really tired. OK, you know, and that praising God when, when you're not feeling well. Um, the Bible talks about sacrificial praise. That's the sacrificial praise. Okay, when I can praise God when I'm not feeling well, when I can praise God when I'm down in the valley and I'm and I'm at my lowest point in my life or when I'm standing on the mountaintop and everything seems to be going well, praising God, that is something that's important. I can tell you from experience the times that that that, that when I forced myself to praise God when I didn't feel like it at one point when I was feeling really, really, really sick. Okay. In the middle of the night, I was was in the bathroom, hunched over the toilet, and I'm just praising God, praising God, and just asking Him to heal me, and and claiming Scripture, and and and, and reciting over and over again that by His stripes I am healed. Not once did I even vomit for that hour and a half or so that I was actually in the bathroom. 
And at one point, as I kept claiming that healing in the name of Jesus and rebuking that spirit of infirmity, I went back in the bed to lay down and I could feel and I don't know how to describe it, but I can feel the healing. I can actually feel the healing going on in my body. OK, I can feel I can I can feel that the shivers that I had started to go away and I could feel my body temperature actually starting to warm up. And it literally started right down at my feet and I can feel it just going all the way up until it went to my to, to went to the top of my head. And then when that happened, a few minutes later, I fell fast asleep, woke up in the morning, no fever, no chills. I was really hungry because I hardly ate anything the day before uh, because I wasn't feeling well. But the bottom line that I'm getting to and the point that I'm trying to make there is that, it, is that I needed to be committed to God. I needed to be committed to his word in that moment in order to become victorious. So it's important for us to be able to be committed um, at all times. It takes commitment for us to be able to get to the deeper things of God and to move away from the milk takes commitment for us to move away from milk and get onto the meatier things of God, if you will. So what does that mean? Well, if you think about a baby, okay, when you have a newborn baby, right, you as the parent are responsible for feeding that baby. You're responsible for putting that baby in the in the right position to be able to take to to, to be able to drink the milk from from the bottle. You're responsible for burping the baby to make sure that that it's not uh, um, uh, to make sure that that it can that it can burp okay. You, you're, you're you're responsible for making sure that the baby is getting enough and not too much. So you got to constantly change the position. You got to warm up the bottle. You got to do all these things, and the baby just sits back and just takes it all in. Well, as that baby gets starts to get older, the responsibility slowly starts to shift. So now as that baby becomes a, 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 an older child and the teeth starts to come in, now that 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 child now then uh, um, becomes responsible for feeding themselves. They're responsible for being careful with how much portions that, 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 that they're putting in their mouths to be, be careful that they're actually chewing up the food uh, uh, before before they're swallowing it so that they don't choke. And then you as a parent, obviously. As they start to get older, you still have some responsibility in it, but you, but you, that starts to get transitioned into that baby as they start to grow up. So the thing with us as, as, as children of God is that as we move beyond becoming babies in Christ and we start to become uh, more adults, if you will, uh, um, in, in Christ and more mature in the things of God, we have a responsibility to make sure that we're seeking after the media things of God and that we're taking it in and that, that we're swallowing it and that we're constantly committed to going back to, to studying the word of God, even though it might not feel good, even though it might not taste good. The same way those now I can remember as a child having those the, the nasty vegetables on, on, on my plate, but still eating those because I knew that while it did not taste good, that it was still good for my body. Because not everything that tastes good is good for the body. So there, there are things in the word of God that are going to sting us. Holy Spirit is going to convict us, but it takes commitment to be able to 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 continue to to take that in and to learn from that because we know that it's actually growing us. John, when he was on the island of, of, of Patmos, there uh, uh, the angel told him to to to, to bite to, to chew the word of God and swallow it up, and then that was going to be it was going to be bitter in his stomach. Okay. But what that there is showing us is that not everything that you take in from the word of God is going to feel good when it sits in your stomach. However, it is going to be good for you. Okay, but it takes commitment to be able to get to that, to be able to get to that point. Let's dive into some more scripture here. Let's turn into Second Timothy chapter three. Okay. Second Timothy chapter three we're talking about how committed am i and it doesn't matter how and you may have heard me say this on more than one occasion and, and i'll continue to say this because it's important for us as as children of god okay regardless of how much we have been walking with the lord we have to periodically ask ourselves how committed are we okay we have to periodically do do a check of ourselves to make sure that we're still walking in the path that God wants us to walk in because we're still human beings and we're still going to be prone to making mistakes, which means that we could get off the straight and narrow path if we're not careful. OK, it happens to every one of us. None of us is so perfect that we that we don't make mistakes or that we may not get away from God. So we have to. So this is a question that we should be asking ourselves regularly is how how committed am I? OK, especially if you feel like 
either God is pushing you in a direction that you don't really want to go. Or maybe because this happens too, maybe you prayed about being in a certain situation. Okay, maybe you prayed for a promotion at work and God gave you that promotion, but it's turning out to be more difficult than you originally imagined. And so the question even then is, how committed am I to God? Because if I know God put me in this position, then I need to also understand that I am here for a reason. He put me here for a purpose. And so I need to stick through this and I need to just stay committed to him because at some point the situation is going to get better, regardless of how long it takes. All right. So Second Timothy, chapter three, verse one. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. Um, I'm going to pause there for, for a second there because there's actually a lot um, um, in there. And I think and we see this a lot. All right. Men that are lovers of themselves, lovers of money. OK, there's an, there's an old saying um, that money makes the world go round. OK. And basically what that means is that if you have money, you can get whatever it is that you want. You see this a lot of times if you if, if you look at uh, professional athletes, when they go from college to the professional sport level. Right. They're still they're not adults yet. They're still they're typically 21, 22 by the time they get to that professional sport. So they're not adults yet. They haven't experienced the things that a lot of adults have had. But yet still they have all of this money and not and it's not all of them. But some of them think that if I have all this money, I can get away with what I with with with, with anything that I do. I can do whatever I want. They have that. It's called the whether the um, invincibility complex, I believe, is, is what it's referred to. And that's because I have all of this money and because I'm popular in the community and all these people looking up to me and everything like that. I can get away with anything, anything that I want to. OK. And so I seek after that money with this false sense that if I have all this money, my life is going to be great. How many times do you hear about people? That are buying all of these houses and have all these fancy cars, but yet and still they end up going bankrupt because they spent it. They didn't spend it wisely. OK. Or they're still unhappy. All right. They're still unhappy because they're putting their they're thinking that money is going to bring me joy. We know the word of God says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's not money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And we see that more and more and more about money, 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 money. Okay. Lovers of money. Uh, uh, they're still in verse two, disobedient to parents. I have some of the things that I have seen kids get away with these days are things that I wouldn't even imagine or even dream of attempting with attempting when I was a child. Okay. And you see this more and more and more. I mean, the, 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 it's not easy to be a parent, right? For anyone out there as a parent, we know it's not easy to be a parent, but there are some things. And just when I go to the stores and I watch the behavior of some of the kids and I just think to myself, Oh my goodness, I can't believe that that is happening, that this child is acting this way. Um, uh, in, in the store and I'm not passing judgment, but I, but I, I've seen the different types of interactions between children and parents and just the blatant disrespect that I see with children on their, with their parents or the blatant disrespect that I see that, 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 that middle school kids or even high school kids have towards authority is something that I would have never dreamed of when I was a kid. Okay. But you see here, perilous times will come. You will see disobedience to parents. So for any parents that are out there, it takes commitment from us to be able to raise that child to be obedient, not 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 just to us, but to be obedient to us based off of how we're teaching them about the word of God. OK, so as parents, we have to make sure that we're putting structure around the kids lives, that, that we're we're teaching them what how, and, and running our households the way God would want us to run the households so that the kids, as they go older and they go off and start doing uh, um, uh, moving out and, and start growing and, and, and maturing into adults, that they don't forget the seeds that we that we are planting. 
Okay, so they don't forget those things. All right. It takes commitment to do that. It's important for us to be able to raise kids in a godly manner so that, as, as I said earlier, as they get older, they don't forget the seed that was planted. Um, verse three, uh, unloving, unforgiving slanderers without self-control. I mean, without self-control. I mean, you can turn on the news and you see. I mean, I lost count of how long a lot of these riots have been going on around the nation. But you talk about a lack of self-control. Okay, turn on that. Turn on the news and watch what's happening there as people are getting angry because they did not get the result that they thought that they should have gotten. Okay, perilous times will come. Okay, verse three again, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control. Brutal, despises of good, unforgiving. You know, I, I don't know why I'm stuck on stuck on this scripture a little bit longer here. Unforgiveness. OK. That is a and I'm not going to dwell too much on that, but but that is something that is very, very serious. OK. In the eyes of God, unforgiveness, unforgiveness. If that continues to go on. All right. That can end up turning into hatred. All right. And, and 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 I will say this: There's a lot of talk about race relations in this country, but I don't seem to hear anyone talk about the unforgiveness that leads to some of these uh, some of these issues. Okay, because unforgiveness leads into a lot of uh, uh, could lead into almost all sorts of type of, of sin to take place. It can lead to somebody hating someone. That hatred is that starts to fester. Could actually lead into murder. Okay, it could lead somebody to commit murder, right? How many times do you even see, um, and, and it's especially now with, with 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 it being an election year, all right, an election day, not you know, not that far away. How many times do you hear people as they're trying to talk about which candidate to vote for? Do they start bringing up things from twenty, thirty, forty years ago, almost as if that they think that that person still is the same today? Or they think negatively about that person because of something that they had done 30 or 40 years ago. Well, understand that if God, if they went to God and asked for forgiveness, God has forgiven them. And God is not going to hold what they did 30 or 40 years ago against them. And then put yourself in, in a situation and think. How messed up would it be if God held us? What if God looked at us and judged us based off of what we did 30 or 40 years ago? That's not who God is. And that's not how God expects us to react. But you can see this a lot in today's society is that there is so much unforgiveness. It's not even funny. Verse four, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people turn away. So what, so what God is saying here is turn away from all of these people that you see that are happening. These these proud people, these blasphemers, these people that are haughty, uh, the despisers of good. Now, now God is not saying, OK, um, he, he, he's not saying like turn away from them in terms of, uh, um, you know, don't 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 speak to them or or don't treat them with compassion and don't treat them with love that's not what God is saying what God is saying here is basically be careful of the company that you keep all right be careful not to associate too much with with with, with these kind of individuals because they could end up influencing your behavior they can end up influencing your thoughts i mean how many times have if you if you think about uh, well, how's that saying go it takes a village to raise a child right and the reason why there's that saying is because a child grows up and they learn based off of the experiences that they have around them and so if you even as an adult are surrounding yourself with all sorts of evil type and, and sinful type of people you run the risk of getting yourself pulled away from god now, we know Jesus obviously didn't kick those kind of people to the curb. He did talk to them, but he was also the son of God and was there on a mission. And so just be careful about the associations that you keep. All right. And this is not, again, about kicking them to the curb, but this is about praying for them. All right. We know we, we some of you may have some of these people in a circle and not even know it. We got to pray for them. OK, we got to pray for them. We got to pray for them. We got to pray for them. Verse five, again, having a form of un, of godliness, uh, but denying but denying his power. 
Okay, so what this is talking, what this is talking about here, uh, is the fact that there are some people out there, all right, that will uh, believe and talk about uh, talk about God, but then they deny His power when it comes down to the deeper things of Him. Okay, so they'll talk about God, but they'll deny His power when it comes down to getting to the to the to the deeper things. Uh, of who he is and, and getting into the deeper things um, of what he's of what he's done. That's when they'll sit there and they'll say, oh, well, that that's that's not God. Um, an, an example of that is that that, you know, that's pretty, pretty that that's out there quite a bit, um, you know, is, is about the about speaking in tongues. OK, that's one that, that people say, oh, yeah, God exists, but tongues, nobody can actually speak in tongues and they're denying the power of the Holy Spirit. That moves that, that gets a person to start speaking, uh, speaking in tongues. All right. Titus one, uh, verse 16, chapter one, verse 16 says they profess to know God, but in works, they deny him being abominable, disobedient and disqualified uh, for every good works, every good work. So, yeah. So uh, another example would be uh, you're, you're in a major situation. OK, you don't see a way out of it. You start calling out to God, crying out to God. He delivers you. But when you get delivered from that situation, instead of you thanking God for that and giving God the credit, you give yourself the credit. Oh, yeah, it was me. It was me. Yeah, I did all of that. Yeah, that was me. Well, I would have done it anyway, you know, and that's denying God's power. And that's a dangerous thing to do, because whatever it was that God delivered you out of, if you deny that he was the one and it was his power that got you got you through that situation, you could run the risk of finding yourself back into that situation and possibly even worse. OK, and possibly even worse. All right. So, again, verse five, having a form of godliness, but denying, but denying his power and from such people uh, turn away. It's also important that. We not try to determine whether someone is a Christian. OK. And what I mean by that is, is only God knows a person's heart. All right. And what I really should say, it's important that we don't try to determine whether or not somebody is saved. That that that's what I should say is whether or not they're safe, because you don't know whether or not they're saved, regardless of what their actions are. You have no idea whether or not they're saved. All right. So it's important that we that we don't. Um, that we don't try to make that determination because there are people out there. Again, we're human beings. And so we make mistakes. All right. So there could be someone that falls maybe in one of these categories that we see that is saved. But for whatever reason, they allowed themselves to be led astray and fell into this category. Well, we can't go out there, and start judging them and saying, oh, you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. You're not saved. If you were saved, how could you do that? Because every single one of us. All right. Every single one of us at some point has done something to displease God. OK. So we can't go around. We can't go around doing that. Verse six. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away with by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Underline verse seven. Always learning and never able to come to the full uh, coming to the knowledge of uh, of the truth. You know, this is why it's important to know God, because you can pick up all sorts of textbooks you can go to all sorts of classes, different lectures, etc., like that, and learn about a whole bunch of stuff. But the only truth is the truth that God shares. OK, the truth that God shares. The easiest way to think about this. As you think of of how many scientific questions have gone unanswered, right? That's that's a good and, and the reason why I bring science into it because there's there's always this debate between what's more real, if you will, God or science and and, and everything like that. Um, and I'm not going to get into discussing to, to discussing all, all all of that here. Um, but the fact of the matter is that God is the only absolute truth. All right, the Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth. And the life. Okay, the truth. All right. So that means God only has, has the truth to every single thing that's going on out there. All right. Uh, I think it was a few weeks ago, 
I was talking about, you know, when, when you're thinking about who to vote for into office and you listen to the politicians speak and you listen to the presidential debates and everything like that, is that it's to understand that the only one that can reveal the truth to you about what they're actually saying is Holy Spirit. Because they may talk a good game, but the only way you can get to the truth is actually seeing out the, seeking out the Holy Spirit. Science isn't going to tell you that. Textbooks are not going to tell you that. It's only, it's only God. So this is, so verse seven again, always learning and never able come to come to the knowledge of the truth. But it takes commitment for us to be able to seek out that truth from Holy Spirit. And then when we get that truth, to be able to hold on to that truth and understand that what we think we might know may not be the same as what Holy Spirit reveals to us. Okay, and we have to be okay with that. Uh, verse eight. Now, Janus. Now, as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be made manifest to all, as theirs also was. Uh, verse ten. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering, love perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Underline that. And out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Underline uh, verse 12 there. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. Okay. Jesus also said, you will be hated for my name's sake. Okay. Jesus also said that. And the reason why we are hated for his name's sake is because he was hated. So when we decide that we're going to follow him, then we become hated. And then also we become a target. When we become saved, there's, a, there's like a, a, a big announcement or uh, uh, this big bright light that just beams from our spirit that the devil can see. And he knows, great, now I've got somebody else I have to deal with. Now I've got somebody else that I've got to deal with. And so now we become, we start to get attacked by him and he will use people to attack us. Yeah, I'm not necessarily talking about physically attacking you, but it could be trying to come against every single thing that you're trying to do or trying to sow some doubt and negativity into into something that you, you're, you're passionate about. And they may not know that you're saved. All right. They may not know that you're saved, but for the simple fact that you are saved, you become a target. All right. So I'm going to read verse 12 again. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So we have to understand that we need to be committed to God even through persecutions. Even as the persecution comes, we need to be committed. We also need to be committed to God to be able to see when those imposters start to arise. All right. The Bible talks a lot about false prophets. And as these false prophets continue to come out, okay, as they continue to come out and they're going to start deceiving more and more and more. And the Bible says that the very elect may be deceived, which means we really have to be on guard and committed so that we don't become one of those elect that gets deceived. Okay. So God warned us that 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 his very chosen people could be could actually end up being deceived. And so it takes commitment for us to be able to spot when someone is trying to deceive us. Okay, because the thing about deception is that it's it's rarely right in your face. Okay, it's always something that's going to be subtle and it usually takes a while because it it kind of starts with that. You know, I I, got to build some trust. And then once you once you trust me, then I can start telling you all sorts of other things. All right. You see this in occult practices. You see this in other, uh, quote unquote, um, religions uh, where you see that they'll um, they may say something that sounds good to you. And then you start listening and they start drawing you in and drawing you in and drawing you in. And next, you know, they're not talking about anything that has to do with God. Okay, this happens in churches as well. It happens in churches. But they'll say something and they'll get you to come to the church. And then next, you know, they're misquoting scripture left and right. 
Or in the case of a church that I went to, they were talking about scripture. And that scripture wasn't actually in the scripture. And as I looked around at the congregation and wondering, thinking, like, am, am I missing something? I'm the only one there with my Bible open trying to follow along and can't find the scriptures that they were talking about anywhere. Mind you that this individual that was up there actually gave the book, the chapter, and the verse that they were reading from. And it was nowhere to be found. Okay? But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Verse 14. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And, in, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Underline all the verses 14 through 15 there. Okay. Verse 14, we see there basically a mention of commitment. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. We don't learn about the things of God from another man. Holy Spirit teaches us. Okay, Holy Spirit teaches us. I might be up here sharing a word with you and reading the Bible and, 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 and giving you some meaning to it. But the only way it sinks down in your spirit and it resonates with your spirit is when you is when the Holy Spirit is in you and telling you, yep, yep, that's right. That's right. That's right. OK, the same way if you were sitting in a church service and something wasn't resonating in your spirit, it's not about that man. It's about the Holy Spirit that's telling you to say, yeah, something that that person is saying isn't right. You need to come see me. Come talk to me. I'm going to share some things with you. I'm going to put you on guard. OK. Right. So that's what this is talking about here. Is knowing who from whom you have learned them. Verse 15. And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith uh, which is in Christ Jesus. It's important if that we have kids, if you have kids, to raise them in a good Christian home. And then also, when we get older as adults, we have to be willing to learn about the word of God the way that a child likes to learn. OK, the way it, if you've ever watched a child, just if you did, ever done anything around your house and you watch a child and watch how they watch you and they pick up on certain things. They just start picking up on it. I remember when my daughter, she was I think she was two, two or three. And I was putting something together, um, I think it was a desk or something like that, and I was using a hammer, and I didn't realize that she was she was watching me or anything like that. And she had this little toy toolkit that she had gotten for Christmas, and one day I heard this banging on the stairs. I was like, what's going on? So I go over there, and look, so I look at her, and say, what are you doing? She said, oh, the stairs are broken, so I'm fixing them. And she had a little toy hammer, and she's just hammering away on the stairs because she remembered months ago watching me use a hammer to put together a desk. So she thought, well, if things are broken, I might as well just take a hammer and the hammer is going to fix it. Now, the stairs weren't actually broken. It was, it was her imagination. Um, and, and so she was pretending to fix the fix the stairs. She did the same thing to the couch. She said, oh, the couch is broken. So she's taking a hammer and she's just banging away on the on, on the couch cushion there. All right. But you see, she learned because she sat back and she observed and she watched. And then I was able to teach her, oh, this is what you use a hammer for. To the point that the next time I actually put something together, which was a computer, she actually helped me build the computer. Okay, She actually helped me build the computer because she learned. And when we get older, we have to be willing to, uh, e even though we, we, we learn to think differently and we learn to, 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 to reason and rationalize, we still have to approach the word of God like children. Like children, because then God can really, really, really pour himself out, pour himself out to us. Verse 16, all scripture is given by, by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. OK. Notice that there in verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you're committed to God and God is calling you to do something and he's putting you in different situations, Understand that he has equipped you for that situation and that he's equipping you for the next situation, because if you're doing things in alignment with God, guess what? That means we're doing a good work. OK, 
we're doing a good work. We're already equipped for that. So then we then while we're doing that good work, we are being equipped for the next good work that he's going to call us to do if we are committed to following him for that next good work. It takes commitment for us to study the word of God, as we see there in verse 16, because it doesn't always feel good when we read scripture. Not everything that benefits us is something that is going to feel good. Okay. Physically and spiritually. Not all vegetables taste good, but they're good for your body. Right. Not every time you exercise, is it going to feel good? Right. If I'm out going for a run, it doesn't feel good to be breathing heavy while I'm on my run and I'm not even halfway through the run. But I know that if I can continue to push myself as my muscles start to ache, as my breathing gets heavier, if I push myself, I know that it's beneficial for my body. I know it's building up cardiovascular strength. If I'm lifting weights and, and I can tell the, 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 the different type of pain, if you will, that I'm feeling while I'm lifting weights to know that, ooh, this is a pain because I may have injured myself versus this is a pain because the muscle is being activated in a way that has never been activated before. And I might be sore the next day, but I also know that I'm developing my muscles. Well, it's the same thing when it comes down to the word of God. Okay. It doesn't always feel good when we read it. It doesn't always feel good when we listen to a sermon. It doesn't feel good when the Holy Spirit is convicting us. But it's for it's for our benefit. But it takes commitment from us to follow God and to study his word, regardless of what it's saying to us. And regardless of how much it's telling us to change, it takes that commitment for us to be able to get to the benefit of doing that next good work. You think about back to. Um, as, as a baby Christian, we didn't always do being a baby Christian to where we are now. There's things that we've changed about our lives because as we read the word of God, as we study and as we learn and we start to put those things in practice, we start to see, oh, I can't do the things that I used to do anymore. Okay. Or and I shouldn't say I can't. It's I don't want to do the things that I, that I, that, that I used to do because they not, they're not pleasing to God. Okay. And this is why some people have and this is why it's important for us as believers to make sure that we're doing our best to live a godly lifestyle because there's people that are watching us. And if they see us do something that's not in line with the word of God and maybe they're thinking about coming to 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 know God and they're thinking about becoming saved. If they see us engaging in a behavior that is not godly, how do you think they're going to feel? They're probably going to look at that and say, well, if you can do that. And that's what I do. Why should I waste my time on Sunday morning going to church? Why should I waste my time in the afternoon or at nighttime praying and reading the Bible when you're doing the same thing? You're just like me. See, and Jesus said, while you are in this world, you are not of this world. So we have to make sure that we're committed enough to live the lifestyle to the best that we can, the way that God wants us to live it so that we can set that good example so that we can continue so that we can continue to be made complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. As verse 17 says, okay. let's stay in the second Timothy. We're going to uh, continue on here in verse four. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearance and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke. Extort with all long suffering and teaching on the line of verse two, where it says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Preaching the word doesn't mean that you're a pastor. It doesn't necessarily mean that you are standing up all right, on a pulpit, uh, uh, bringing a word to an entire congregation. Preaching the word is any time you tell somebody about the word of God. OK, that's preaching. Right. Yes, there are um, um, uh, formal positions of, of the pastor. All right. The, the, there are those formal positions, but you don't have to that. That's not that formal position. There has other obviously responsibilities as the as the, the head um, human being of the church, because we know that Jesus is the head of the church. All right. So as a pastor, yeah, they have um, a, a certain responsibility over over the church. 
that's connected to that that's connected to that role. Um, but that doesn't mean that they're the only ones that, that can talk to somebody about the word of God. You go out to lunch with a friend and they start talking about a situation that, that that's going on and you start talking to them about the Bible and you start relating scripture to them. That's preaching the word of God. OK. Sometimes in our walk as Christians. We're hesitant to preach, if you will, the word of God. Because we think that I have to I, I, I can't talk to you about the word of God. I can't because I'm not a preacher. So I am not at sometimes we put preachers on a level on a pedestal and we forget that they're human beings. OK. We, and we forget that they're human beings. We think that they're that we think that they're perfect. All right. No human being is perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. And so we think that I can't try to I can't teach somebody about the word of God because I'm not perfect. All right. And, and, and I can't preach because I'm not I, I'm not perfect. Well, it's not about preaching necessarily. In this case, it's not about preaching in a, in a church service. This is about telling people about the word of God This is about sharing it with your friends, your family members, with your kids. If you have kids. OK. Sharing them with your spouse. OK. That's what this is talking about here. All right. Be ready in season and out of season. Thinking about. Athlete. I'm a sports guy, as, as many of you may know, if you've, if you've heard, heard me talk before, you know, I'm, I'm a sports guy um, and, and I played football up through a couple of years in college. And the way you become successful in sports is that you stay in shape year round. OK, you might take a couple of weeks off or so after the season just to kind of refresh and, and, and reset yourself and, 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 and take a break from the uh, routine of, of sports. But then you get back into it because you have to be ready at all times. You have to be ready at all times. Uh, um, many women in the military, OK, they're not always deployed overseas to fight a war, but they're constantly doing things to keep them to keep their skills up, to stay sharp in case they ever get that phone call and say you're being deployed. Well, what this is saying here is that what Paul is saying here is that you got to be ready. You got to be ready in season and out of season. You got to be ready. OK, because you don't know. When that next attack is going to come. So you might be in a situation right now where things are just nice and smooth. Everything's going good. Don't allow yourself to be pulled away. Understand that the devil could be right around the corner and you don't know it. Just because things are smooth now doesn't mean that when you wake up tomorrow that all hell isn't going to break loose. Okay. This is why it's the same. Be ready in season and out of season. But it takes commitment to the word of God. It takes commitment to following God. And to following his, his, his son, Jesus example, it takes that commitment to ensure that we're ready at all times. All right. Also there in, uh, in verse two, you see, con convince, rebuke, exhort and also uh, with all long suffering and teaching. So as we're going out and, and we're, 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 we're staying ready. Right. And, and we're telling people about the word of God. Understand that there are some people that aren't aren't going to receive it the way we hope that they receive it. It doesn't mean we don't stop praying for them. It doesn't mean that we don't stop talking to them. It doesn't mean we don't stop caring about them. It doesn't mean that we stop showing compassion, compassion for them because we have to do all those things. That's why it's saying with all long suffering and teaching. OK, it's not an overnight process. None of us became saved overnight. It was a process of God constantly calling us, constantly calling us. I can certainly remember various things that I've heard people say to me that have just kind of stuck with me over the years and everything like that. And I say, yeah, OK, Lord, I know I know that you're calling me to do this. So let me just go ahead and do it. All right. But it, does, it doesn't happen overnight. Uh, verse number three, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. OK, uh, verse five. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. A lot of good stuff there. OK, a lot of good stuff there. Um, verse three, for the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine. There will be a time and I, and I believe that there are times now, because if you if you if you if you listen to some of the things that. 
that, that the people that call themselves Christians say about the word of God or, or even if you watch how they treat people, you can see that there's there, there might there. There could be an absence of some sound doctrine there. OK. In other words, the uncompromised word of God could be missing from from from, from that individual's life. OK. And what they what ends up happening then is they start to do things based off of what they want to hear. Right. What they want to hear, because oftentimes the things that we want to hear are going to feel good to us. That's why we want to hear them. All right. Um, if I am um, if I want a job. OK, if I'm looking for a job. What I want to hear is two simple words. You're hired. What I don't want to hear is about how many job applications I need to fill out and how many times I got to go over to this place and get up this early to go talk to that person and do this. That's not what I want to hear, because what that means is that's more work for me. So a lot of times as, as Christians, we will listen to things that we want to hear because um, um, while it might not be sound doctrine, while it might not be from the word of God, we want to hear it because it means less work for us. It means that we don't have to do as much. We don't have to change as much about ourselves. Whereas if we listen to uncompromised word, the uncompromised word of God and we're studying it, it's going to require us to change something about us that it may be hard to do. How many people. How many people on July, on January, December 31st, say I'm going to give up this habit and then come January 1st, they're back to that habit. I think we all know people like that. I mean, you might be somebody like like that. I mean, we've all, you know, tried to say we're going to do something different, you know, on this date. And that day comes, we might stick with it for a couple of days. It gets kind of hard and then we revert back to the old behavior. All right. It takes commitment, though, for us, from us to be able to stay focused on the sound doctrine and not listen to always listen to the things that we want to hear. And what happens is when 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 this when, when when we do decide to just focus on the things that we want to hear, the things that feel good, then we start lifting others up as 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 people that are that that we should be modeling ourselves after as, as people that we should be living life and we living life. And we completely forget about the example that Jesus Christ set for us when he was on this earth. So we got to be careful. Okay, we got to we have to watch out. This is part of that being ready in season, uh, in season and out of season. All right. Verse four. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and and be turned aside to fables. So this is this is uh, uh, people that are are are, are t- turning away from the truth of from God's absolute truth. Now, all of a sudden, they turn to false stories. They turn to false doctrine. That's what they start focusing on. And so the things that they knew about the word of God all of a sudden start to become twisted and perverted and untruthful. Now they start believing a a much different doctrine. Okay, instead of taking that in and just saying, well, wait a second. Now, let me let me check this with let me check this with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of truth. Let me let me check what I'm hearing with that to see, because I don't like the way it sounds. But just because I don't like the way it sounds and how it makes me feel doesn't mean that it's not beneficial to me. So because I don't like the way it sounds and I don't like the way it feels, I'm going to first check this with the Holy Spirit to find out why am I feeling this way. That's what we should be doing. But when any time someone gets pulled away from the truth and they just focus on these fables, they think that if I hear it and it doesn't feel good, then it's not for me or what or what you're saying is wrong. That doctrine is wrong because it doesn't make me feel good. So I'm going to go somewhere where it feels good. I'm going to leave a church. I'm going to leave a church that's preaching the truth to go to one that has a 15 minute sermon. And a two minute praise and worship session. Okay. Why? Because I can go there and I can be out in 30 minutes and go home and catch the football game. If I go to this other church that keeps telling me all this stuff that is 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 sticking me in my gut and I'm there for two hours, I end up missing the game. So by leaving that church, not only do I get to not hear stuff that that doesn't feel good, but I get to go home and catch all the games that I want to watch. I can get out there and smoke that meat. I can get out there and barbecue those hot dogs. Even though that that new church that I'm going to isn't doing anything to develop me, to help me be complete. 
thoroughly equipped for every good work, even though that church isn't doing that, I'm going to continue to go there because it feels good. I like what I'm hearing. Verse five, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of the of an evangelist, of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. We all have ministries. We all have things God is calling us to do. The Bible talks about how uh, um, how we're all the body of Christ. And while we're all different members, we're all of the same body. It takes commitment for us to seek God and ask him, what is our ministry? What is my ministry, Lord? Help me to fulfill my ministry in season and out of season. It takes commitment to do that because what his ministry is for us might not be the ministry that we think we should be involved in. And I'm not talking about ministry in terms of church, uh, like a church ministry. I'm talking about ministry as in what is your role in the body of Christ? OK, what is your role in the body of Christ? What role God has for you might not be what you want it to be. So we need to be committed to not just seeking that out, but then also following it. Last few scriptures here. Let's go to um, excuse me, uh, Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, and we're going to go to verse 35. Luke chapter 12, verse 35. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master uh, when, he when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you, that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known that what hour the thief would come, he would have he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready. For the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Underline all verses 35 through 40. Okay. A lot of good, a lot of good things there. And the main thing that I want to, um, focus on is, uh, is, is linked back to the pre, some of the previous scripture we read about staying ready. Okay. Not only do we not know when Jesus is going to return. All right. But we also don't know when the next persecution is going to come, when your next attack from the enemy is going to come, when we're going to get that next piece of bad news. So it's important for us to be able to be watchful and to be ready. Like this scripture is talking about here uh, about the servant, the servants and the master coming. It's important that we are committed enough to God so that we can be on the ready. So that we can be on the ready so that when he calls and says, OK, here's something that's coming your way. You need to be prepared for it, that we don't have to sit there and say, oh, wait a minute, I'm not ready. OK, so that we can see when that next attack is coming so that we can fulfill our ministry and make sure that we're prepared to do the things that God wants us to do. It takes commitment for us to be able to pray and seek out from God. To seek out from God and ask him to tell us and reveal to us the things that he's wishing to reveal to us. Because understand, God might be wanting to tell you something. But yet he hasn't told you yet because you're not listening. So it takes commitment for us to also listen in our prayer life, not just sending up a prayer, but stopping and listening for a response. And if we don't get a response right away to not stop listening, but to continue on listening, to continue to seek him, to be diligent as we seek him, because we know that if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. So we don't stop. We have to be committed to continuing on. We have to be committed in season and out of season. So we have to be able to focus on God when we're up on the mountaintop riding high and everything's looking good. And we have to be able to be committed to God when we're down in the valley and it seems like there's no way out. Okay? Commitment, commitment. So as you move forward throughout the rest of this day and the coming weeks, periodically, 
I just ask that you spend some time and just ask yourself, how committed am I? If you have a journal, it's a good way to journal in there and say, how committed am I? And just sit there and think about how committed are you? Are there things that you should have done that you didn't do? Okay. And as you start listing those things out, take those to God. Lord, why am I? Why did I not do this? Lord, I'm sorry for not doing this when I should have. Okay. It could be anything. It could be simply, it could be simple as, um, 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 you know, I should have, I, I should have read my Bible longer than what I read it last night. But I, I wanted to get it in real quick before that game came on or before the news came on, before that TV, that, that program came on. Okay. Could be simple, that simple. It could be, you know, Lord, I was in a rush this morning and I didn't spend any time with you. And so help me to be more committed to be able to make sure that I get up at a time, get up early enough to be able to seek your face before I start my day. All right. So just spend some time and just ponder that to yourself. How committed am I? And just see what you come up with, because all of us, as I said earlier, all of us have to ask this question at some point. Okay, all of us have to ask this question at some point. Even the non-believers out there in the workplace, they ask themselves, how committed to a cause are they? How committed to an organization are they? How committed to the mission are they? All right. So even in the even even folks that aren't aren't Christians understand the purpose of kind of rechecking and, and ensuring that they're committed to that thing that they started out doing. So we have to do the same thing as children of God. Just ask, how committed am I? Praise God. I pray that this message has been a blessing to you. And now let's close out with a with a prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for your words here today. And I ask, Lord, that if there's anyone out there that is lacking commitment to you, that you would just ignite a fire underneath them, Lord. Ignite a fire under all of us, Lord, to increase our commitment to you, to increase our focus on you, to give us a laser focus on the things that you would want us to do, Lord. Regardless of how uncomfortable it might might seem or how much we may not want to actually do it, Lord, just ignite that fire with us and give us that desire, Lord, to just follow you and to focus on you no matter what, no matter what comes our way, no matter how inconvenient it might seem or, or it might feel. Lord, I ask that these words would stay with us through the balance of this day and the remainder of the week, Lord. And that it would sink nice and deep down within our spirits, Lord, and that so that we can apply them uh, to our everyday, our everyday life, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you would continue to guide us, lead us and to keep us safe in these crazy times that we have before us. These things I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Praise God.